episode of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon and e-commerce industry. Today is no exception. Uh, that being said, this will be our last episode live before the craziness that is Thanksgiving slash Black Friday slash Cyber Monday. It's all there. We'll be going live again back on Cyber Monday, but before the holidays kind of kick our butts, this will be our last one to talk about it before we stuff ourselves full of turkey and all the deliciousness that is Thanksgiving here in the United States. If you're international or if you're a seller and you're going to be working through the holidays, God bless you. And uh, we'll be thinking of you. But as always, this is a crazy time of year. So it'll be it'll be something that we'll be talking about today. I think uh, the craziness that was alluded to earlier this week, how uh, announcement of the new Amazon updates of terms of service are coming into play. Uh, but we'll before we kind of go down that rabbit hole, if you will, um, just want to go ahead and give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong Payments. No, they are not a table tennis company. Again, we are not something that just uh, helps you with your game uh, backhand, forehand. This is a company that's going to help you save time, money, and effort. What does that mean? Well, if you're sending payments to your supplier, manufacturer. Uh, you're going to be able to do that with ease with ping pong account. Go ahead and pay in localized currency. So you're not waiting around for those funds to be converted over or to hit a bank account longer or pay exorbitant fees with banks or localized banks or international wire transfers. You can do it safely, effectively, and efficiently with ping pong payments. If you're an international seller or if you're just starting out on Amazon, you're going to want to look into ping pong payments and sign up for free. It's free to use and always safe to use as well. You can go do that by going to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast. And that's where you can get all of our great content that we've had all 185 episodes before this one. And if you're watching this one live, welcome on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Or if you're listening to us on a on the audio formats, thank you for tuning in and listening to our show as always on your favorite podcast platforms. Whether it be Apple, Spotify, uh, or Google Podcasts, wherever you can find a podcast, there's so many different platforms will be on your favorite for sure. So that being said, just want to go ahead and uh, get things kicked off. Uh, as as kind of the world kind of evolves, like I said, as, as sellers grow and evolve, there's always these different kinds of uh, support systems you can go to, whether it be groups, um, whether it be agencies, or whether it be just mentors. There's a lot of different people who have walk the walk and now we're talking the talk. And one of those people I'd put in that category would be Will Hare of Bellavix. Will and his team over there are actually, um, they're a boutique Amazon agency for ambitious brands as their website says, but they are helping people navigate the waters, the treacherous waters that is Amazon. He's seen a lot in his time over there. So I thought it was appropriate to bring him on as a, as a person of a guest on this podcast to talk advertising based on product maturity, whether you're just beginning or you're growing to uh, five, six, seven figure, eight figure sellers, uh, month over month, year over year, you're going to want to tune in and listen closely. So that being said, want to welcome to Crossover Commerce, Will Hare of Belvix. Will, welcome to Crossover Commerce. Thanks for turning in today. Excellent. Thanks for having me. I'm a great introduction and I'm super excited to be here to talk about advertising. And uh, I know last minute, but we're right here at Black Friday. So we're going to talk a little bit about maturity and I'm sure we'll have questions about, you know, what can I do uh, to get my my products to show up top of search and uh, would love, uh, happy to cover any of that stuff too. So uh, Ryan, thanks for the introduction. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and I'm ready to talk a little bit about, about advertising and how it, how it kind of plays into your 
your products depending on where they are in terms of maturity to market. Absolutely. Well, before we get started, uh, what's the story of Will? What's the story of you and Belovix? Uh, and where, where did, how did you get to where we are today? Let, let's give that a quick introduction of you yourself and um, how we're how we're talking today. Excellent. Sure. Yeah. So my background has always been working in agencies and e-commerce agencies, and then through over the last ten years, got solely focused on marketplaces, uh, mainly around Amazon and Walmart. Uh, always in the uh, advertising realm. That's kind of where my my strong suit is and what my background is. Uh, and then back in um, in two thousand eighteen. Uh, decided to leave the agency scene and kind of do our own thing and 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 build out uh, our own agency. Um, what we saw as gaps in the market with how agencies were run, we we can do that better. And some of the the uh, our processes and how we value our clients and the clients that we work with um, comes down to the 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 um, the level of touch you receive when working with. Uh, someone who works with us, the results, as well as the number of accounts that a particular manager works on. So we are in the true sense boutique in that we, you know, we really align with our partners and, uh, and strive to kind of bring them growth. And my background happens to play into that. So since we established in 2018, we're officially uh, 15 strong in terms of team size. Uh, and we're managing about over 20 accounts, close to $2 million in revenue, uh, sorry, in wow. ad spend. Um, per month. So we've been really fortunate with the brands that we've been able to work with. And luckily having all that advertising uh, spend gives us a lot of insights into different categories, what's working well, what's not, um, and how we, you know, how we add value and how we grow accounts. Absolutely. Well, I was going to ask you the, your definition for boutique because every person's different, right? Is, is it the amount of revenue that you're pulling in or the ad spend, or is it the people that you're operating or the brands are operating? Sounds like a little bit of everything. So it's yeah. for you. Is that is there a specific thing that makes you boutique, or, and and why why keep it small? Why not grow it to, I don't know, hundred people, uh, yeah. hundreds of brands, and whatnot? Was that or is that the is that the plan in place? No, not the current plan in place. Uh, we don't want to get too big. World class service with world class people. I mean, that's that's kind of our motto. So we like anybody on our team has been working on Amazon or marketplaces for over five years, and we believe in high quality. That for us, that was missing in the market, and there is a place to exist where you're working with. You know, we specialize in retail brands with national distribution, so like we have a model customer that we drive the best results for. Um, and you know, and we want to be, uh, we like to be small and really ingrained with the teams that we work with, um, and that allows us to, you know, be able to pull in. Um, these larger brands to, to work with them on their, their Amazon, their story and kind of helping them navigate uh, the marketplaces. So um, we, we consider our boutique is, is great service and, and great people and, uh, and they're hard to find. So uh, we'd love to scale that to a hundred one day. Uh, but right now I'm okay with 15. It's, uh, it's nice. No, that's, that sounds like a good amount to you for sure. So uh, fantastic answer. Well, I, I, would I, loved when I talked to Amazon agencies, again, there's so many different degrees of which, like you said, there's boutique, there's ones that are, Amazon actually classify them correctly in terms of scale, um, how many brands are operating, but also ad spend. Is that is that a fictitious thing that I hear? Or is that something that they actually look at in terms of spend on platform and, and they start to disseminate of, hey, you get access to certain level of uh, customer service or people are, uh, you know, 
the beta versions of certain ad spins or technologies and things like that. Is that true or is it is it more than that? Uh, it's definitely true. Um, I would say from what my experience, because I haven't seen a list where they directly tell me, it comes down to ad spend. And I know, sure. you know, a few, few short years ago when the agency wasn't as large, uh, it was tough to get Amazon's help on something. It was tough to get customer reports. Um, but once we established an agency presence on DSP, we started spending a lot more money, bringing a lot more brands. We started getting a lot more help, uh, access to programs and betas. Uh, we now connected to the Amazon hardline team. So for specific brands, if they're launching on Amazon the first time, we have the ability to get access with a, a to a rep, provided they're accepted, they don't take all the brands and then kind of go through that process. So that we've been fortunate enough that that's come with uh, more exposure on Amazon and uh, indirectly, not said, but to the amount of money our portfolio of clients spends on the platform. Gotcha. So that that being said, I, I like everything that you're, you're saying right now. So with an agency, people, again, there's different routes with wherever they might be in their their journey, I would say, of working with an agency and it could be, it could be everything where it's a, a full service agency where you're handling a little bit, you know, everything, um, except maybe inventory or even inventory, um, or you can just work on advertising. You guys specialize in quite a bit. What, what's the strategy behind touching a little bit of everything in that portfolio of services instead of just like doing only PPC or only, um, uh, content management or something along those lines. Yeah, well, we look at ourselves as a turnkey solution, part of the boutique, but also for consideration is like a advertising is dependent on operations. So when a product's not available, when there's buy box issues, when we're not honoring map pricing, uh, all of these are going to affect sales. And anybody who's working with private equity, venture capital, raising money, or even you know running it out of their garage, um, there's all these different nuances that need to be considered. And we've established ourselves as channel experts because it's all we do. We're in there all the time. And advertising is one piece. And we do have some advertising only clients and that's great. Usually they have somebody, a marketing manager who is managing the rest of that system. For us where the value was is that nobody was able to do all of these and do all of these effectively to stay on brand, to be consistency in messaging and to make sure that the online experience is consistent from your website, through your different marketplaces or anywhere else, an end user is gonna to go to buy your products. Um, so we found a lot of value in being able to control that. Uh, and it also helps us delivering the best results possible because we're not limited to only advertising. We will do your SEO, we will get you on Amazon Live, we will coordinate with Amazon influencers if that's part of the strategy. We could have you on display depending on like where your products are, how you fall, you know, a lot of, when customers come to us, it's always like the sales plateau. We don't understand why we're not able to get more sales. And a lot of it's because they're doing the same thing over and over again. And also, you know, this Amazon is always changing its infrastructure, how it works. And it generally will roll something out and be like in 30 days, heads are going to start flying. Um, so you need to be ready to, to make those changes. An agency like us, because we handle every aspect of it, we're in the know. Generally, we catch these updates before we reach out to our clients. If necessary, we come up with a plan of action. So the reason why we do the full channel is because that allows us to deliver maximum impact and maximum value. And that's right. kind of what we go for when we're, uh, you know, vetting out who we're going to work with and, and how we deliver our services. 
yeah, you get that scope and it's a little bit easier to say how A can tie to Z pretty quickly um, yeah. in that regard. So that makes more sense. So with, with that being said, in your in your time with Belvix and building out these processes, um, when a client's coming to you nowadays, what's the difference now uh, a potential client coming to you and asking for help versus they were a year or two ago? What, what's that conversation like? And has it really changed how you thought it would? Or what, what's that? What's that differentiating factor now that what they were focused on now, what now agency, or I should say you as an agency, you're fielding all these calls and are like, I need help with X or Y. What's that transition been like over that time? Uh, yeah, I mean, mostly around, I say we do a lot less launches now because generally the, the clients who we can work with have some type of infrastructure and space. What we have found that we've been really successful at is taking brands doing under a hundred thousand between let's say 60 and 70 and helping them scale uh, to over six figures. And a lot of that is, you know, a lot of it's obviously putting display, making sure we have good follow-ups, package inserts and working with the logistics team, the marketing team, make sure we're promoting our products and Amazon when available. And a, uh, something very common in the space, you know, why, why should I advertise my Amazon products on my Facebook or social? Why would I want to cross streams? And a lot of it's the concept and I understand it if I had a if you have a Shopify site, is that they're worried about cannibalizing their traffic. So, mm -hmm. you know, these are common conversations and it's educating them that you're not, they work together. Customers are going to spill over from either either side. I like to say 50% of growth happens from off Amazon and 50% happens on Amazon. So as long as you're you know, 20% of the time in the mix, their general marketing mix. Like these are different things that we push for. We advocate for the marketplaces in order to kind of maximize the potential on there. Um, we also change the KPIs we look at. So from an advertising perspective, it used to be a lot of ACOS and ROAS. And what we found is that's limiting. While you can achieve efficiency, if the product has a lot of reviews that you're showing up top of search and you have category dominance. Well, if you don't, that's not always the, the best threshold. So if we're going to be doing these other marketing mixes, how do you account for those? And then how does it tie to total sales? So we may move over to a tacos mentality, depending on what the strategy is. And if you're in complete launch, you know, it might just be impression share. It might be, you know, general sales as it as a basket and what that investment like look like. So the conversations over time has changed into the types of challenges that we're dealing with. Um, but at the end of the day, I feel like everybody goes to the agency with the same thing in mind. How do I make more money on these marketplaces? <laughs> and that's a lot of what we talk about. It's so easy. Like, like that's a, that's a, that's a catch all phrase that I'm sure everyone can attest to. So that being said, how do we make more money working with an agency? Uh, well, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. uh with, uh, so, so you alluded a couple of things like you less launching products, um, I, I'm kind of curious. We talked pre-show a little bit about this of Amazon's updating in terms of service, and they're being pretty specific in terms of ranking, manipulation, how people are putting products and how people are even finding their products. And the co common consensus is Amazon doesn't want you to use the guardrails to get outside, you know, build up from it. And what I mean by that is you don't want to work, you don't want the ecosystem to get the outside benefits yeah. of pushing products. And if it's not within Amazon's ecosystem, it doesn't fend well for sellers. Basically, they're just saying, keep it in-house, uh, send traffic to us, all fine. 
But if there's a secondary uh, benefit that, that you're trying to get out of it, whether it be ranking manipulation or just uh, just sales history or whatever that looks like, it, it doesn't fit well. A lot of people say, well, advertising and self and any sort of outside traffic is in fact that sort of gray area. What's your take on these new these new wordings that are going to go in effect? Probably literally the worst day it could possibly happen yeah. <laughs> on Black Friday. And if seller listening to this is not sure what we're talking about, or uh, if you're a brand owner just listening to this, there's on such day in terms of service for the first time in quite a while, and they're being pretty specific in terms of driving traffic from outside entities to Amazon and what that looks like. What are your take on it? What's your team's take on it? And is this a is this a pretty significant thing, or is it just kind of what you've seen in the past? Uh, you know, I always think it's a significant thing because I prepare for the worst. You know, and um, the fact that they called out certain programs like Search Find and Buy and other um, programs that manipulate search results, um, not in the way that Amazon's intended, they 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 will catch you. Um, we, as an agency have always been white hat. So, you know, comes down to ratios, you know, and, and if you're unable to do these programs, that's great. Invest them in your website, invest them elsewhere, but there are programs you can use on Amazon that are completely white hat. That includes working with, um, influencers through the Amazon live program. They are incentivizing you through the brand referral bonus program, especially over Q4 to a, get your brand registered, get your attribution set up, and then get a discount on your fees up to 10% for driving traffic on Facebook, on Google, uh, so on and so forth. These pushes are so Amazon can further legitimize their brand with the end consumer because that's who they're servicing. So I'm not surprised. Will they catch people right away? Probably not. It's, I always wonder how they catch uh, some of these uh, really in-depth schemes, uh, but they're going to figure it out. And uh, I have taken on accounts where they've been suspended for review manipulation and they've been removed and it is near impossible to get them reactivated. So, you know, I would be very cautious in the types of programs that I choose. Amazon is drawing a line in the sand and they're saying, we're going to figure it out. We're, we're making an announcement. To your point, they haven't updated the code of conduct in quite some time. So the fact they're announcing it now and they're going to let it fly on Black Friday. You know, I would, you know, if you're involved with those programs, I would consider not renewing them. And if you haven't been involved with those programs and you don't know what we're talking about, stay in the dark. Uh, just make sure that you're you're staying within terms of service and you're not you're not trying to manipulate things. And there are to rehash, there are tools through Amazon, and they're building out different features. For example, the um, the followers to your storefront. When you get your list above a thousand, you can now email these people directly through Amazon. So they're furthering building out this ecosystem and a large gap. And when I talk with a lot of Amazon reps, it's retention marketing. It's, you know, when, you know, the difference between the website and Amazon is like, you know what your lifetime value is. You don't really know what your lifetime value is after a year because Amazon doesn't track that data uh, on your behalf, but they realize that this is a problem. And that's where we're seeing some of these new features come in, the brand metrics on the back end that shows brand lift. So they're making the effort I yeah. froze. Am I still oh, good? You're they're, fine. I got you. You're good. They're 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 making the effort to to make this a thing. So um, I would be cautious, and that that's I'm off my my soapbox. That's it. 
No, that's good. I think a lot of people have found that soapbox recently of it's always been this way. And I, I think it's interesting that they're using the terminology that only the seller community had been saying, have been using for a very long time. Now they're adopting that into their ecosystem. My, my only cause always concern, I think this goes to our main topic of based on product maturity. Again, um, the topic that we're going to be discussing today, uh, the difference between starting as a seller SMBs or small, medium sized businesses and launching on product, uh, launching products on Amazon or just bringing a product to Amazon, if it, even if it's direct and consumer is so much more difficult nowadays than it was three years ago, two years ago, even. Um, and that's because of all these different changes, but also just being able to kind of steam down their cards. It's been pushing to a place where it's only advertising spend. If you have a good pocketbook or you just have deep pockets, you can overcome those objectives. Uh, but obviously if it's a good product, you have deep pockets and you can really stand out on the marketplace. It's not always the case now for beginner sellers who don't have the luxury of just starting out with zero reviews. They don't have that ecosystem. Is, are we going to start to see this, this line in the sand, if you will, of people who have already been successful on Amazon, they're going to continue to be successful because they've already there. They have thousands of reviews. Um, there's no cap on reviews, which I also think is somewhat of an issue of how much is too many reviews. Like if it's a product's 30,000 reviews and I'm trying to have a competing product, how am I going to even come close to that number of reviews and compete with those things? So what's kind of this division? Do you see that happening or do you think there's going to be these ways where small and medium sized entrepreneurs, sellers are going to be able to still stand out in some sort of capacity? still stand out but the market's changing so like amazon if it's not obvious is more about brand it's about the the between the brand registry process like what's the differentiating between ebay even walmart for example which is loaded with resellers is the the brand so with that being said you totally can launch products on amazon and be able to build an audience around it but it happens partially off of amazon and partially on amazon and off, unfortunately, off of Amazon is you tapping into your resources to let them know 20% is going to spill over from your website. People who look at your products, they're exposed to them on Facebook. They check out your ads. They're going to check reviews out on Amazon. I think, you know, 66% of searches start on Amazon. You know, 89% of people will go and look at reviews before they actually go and make a purchase. So no matter what, your, your customers are on Amazon. What you pay for exposure and how much you invest comes out to what you can afford. As a, a small, let's talk about the scenario, as a small business where you're self-funded, maybe you're you're flipping these things out of your garage and you've, you've bought some inventory from wherever you're buying inventory from. It's, it's a different strategy because maybe you need to be profitable to a certain degree in order to have enough funds to, to rebuy more inventory. And, and that's a very different scenario than somebody who's funded and their goal is just sales velocity. So that being said, you have to figure out the tactic that works best for you, but understand. And when I have these conversations of somebody launching, like I'm sure there's other agencies who do this really well. We, we choose not to do this, but they'll come on and say, I have this idea and I want to tap into Amazon as a way to, to vet out the validation of this idea. And their idea is great, but it's like at the end of the day, it's another anti-aging cream or it's a, a new dog toy. And it's like, this is really unique, but in the saturation of Amazon's marketplace, you're not going to be able to sell this until you have a thousand reviews because the average seller and review count is selling this. And we know based on price point, based on what people look at, they're going to 
pick the best item that's most competitive. So unless from the moment you source that item to getting it onto Amazon, you're able to compete with the mature sellers on price point or features or bundles or something unique that's going to have somebody look from a, a thousand reviewed $19 listing to a, a 50 reviewed, you know, $15 listing, there, there needs to be an incentive to take a jump. And the small businesses have the challenge of putting their products in front of customers and competing with established advertisers. So I say it's a lot harder. And when I have these conversations, I recommend that they find a good social media company and they build their audience off of Amazon. And when they're getting to $40,000, $50,000 a month on their website, that's when it's a good time to come back and reassess because now you have a little bit of an audience and you could start having the conversation of how do I get that 50% of e-commerce market share that Amazon owns? And by then you'll have an email list you could tap. You probably have a couple influencers you're working with. You'll have you'll be able to get cross exposure to your Amazon through these different platforms that are generating you money, that you could do retention marketing, that you could capture email addresses and you could touch base where you have different things that you're doing that are, are noteworthy. So that's when it comes to launch for small businesses, that's generally what we recommend. And like I said, that's just our agency's take because of the types of clients we work with and our experience. Do you, um, do you ever suggest from the beginning that you're going to really focus on brand searching brand searches, or is it more just based upon the product search itself? Is it, is that, I say that in the maturity phase of if you've established a brand off of Amazon, people know you or aware of you. They're saying like, you know, Will's, you know, Will's dog treats or something like that. If Will's dog treats is something that resonates with people and they're like, I know it because they're organic. They're great for my dogs. We specialize in small, medium sized dogs or something like that, uh, where you've differentiated yourself in that regards. You start that off of Amazon, you bring it on. Is that where you start to direct people to is like, Hey, find us, find us on Amazon by finding us, you mean searching for our brand. And that's going to bring Amazon more of a, Hey, they're searching for not just dog treats, but Will's dog treats and yeah. so on and so forth. Is that, is that where we're seeing this evolution into the mature branding phase of building a business? Yeah. But we're not actually directing them to do that search manipulation. We want to do that anyway. Right. It'll happen naturally. Right. They'll just search naturally. Yeah. Will's dog treats and it'll start picking up you know, in your search term report, if you're advertising, even some of these third party tools that, you know, they're, they're able to pick it up. So yeah, but that's, that's it. You want to build those. And when you know you're getting brand searches, then you can compete on product and we don't limit ourselves to search in launches. So generally if we're doing a launch, um, you know, let's talk about another brand now. So it's not a small business it's a mid-sized business. They launch products pretty consistently. Um, we would be looking to leverage display advertising retargeting people who have been exposed to the brand or repeat buyers of the brand uh, and kind of build a little pool like that. And then we'll be using search to kind of get in market shoppers, understanding that probably for the first six months, our target ROAS is going to be between, you know, 50 cents to 80 cents. So we're going to be operating a little bit of a loss, but the goal is to get total sales velocity. So, you know, how do we just get sales? We know we're going to convert you know, two to 6% of those sales are going to leave reviews based on our post-purchase email sequences or doing the request to review feature. So we have all these mechanisms in place. And then the strategy, of course, a one-time purchase versus a, a repeat purchase, you know, that'll change slightly. But with these products that are funded, it's known going in that the investment upfront 
you know, is this, we would recommend enrolling in the programs like the vine. Uh, if you can apply and get into Launchpad, great. These are programs that will give you a heads up. Um, but generally at the end of this program, you know, targeting, you want a, a listing that's going to come out with at least 50 reviews and still be, you know, pricing isn't everything. If you have a better quality product, cause it has these features, you could be higher priced, but you're going to need, you're going to start needing to show some reviews. If you have any chance of get of competing in the general market for general search terms, which is kind of that transition from phase one to phase two is how are we getting sales for product oriented, bottom of the funnel, super relevant, long tailed keywords. There's an SEO strategy tied to that, but simply put it from an advertising standpoint, are we getting those good? Are we getting them efficiently? Not yet. How do we get it more efficient? And then how do we take it to phase two where now we're able to compete? And part of that, you know, part of the indirect results of getting sales velocity is getting those reviews, getting your seller count up to par. And that is the other side of the transition for a medium or larger size business. The more funds you have to invest, the faster we can get sales velocity, the faster we can get retail ready listings that can actually compete with in, you know, in market shoppers and competitors that have been in the market longer. These launches are a lot easier if it's a complimentary product, you already sell hairbrushes, you do different styles of hairbrushes, that launch process on that product is going to be a lot shorter and a lot more profitable. But if you're new to category, I sell a, a, an air purifier and now I want to sell an air fryer. My audience is all air pure and now I want to be in this category. That's going to be a slower transition because you're not associated with that yet. So that's that six month, that 60 cents. That's probably what you'll see. But understanding that you're exposing yourself to a completely new market with established sellers. So those are the two different launch scenarios based on the business sizes, but different kind of aspects of how they, how to think about funding, how to think about sales velocity, how to acquire, you know, what fairly reviews from products and making sure you're following the proper sequences and indirectly, what's your fulfillment method? Are you optimizing for search? Are you doing experiments? Are you testing your title? First images? Do you have a plus content? Like all of these pieces during phase one is kind of what's going to help get you to phase two. What's the um, the common misstep that that step one to step two is happening? Is it just lack of funds or is it is it that they are not scaling appropriately? Like, what, is, what is that that transition where a lot of people just get stuck? Like what is that thing where a company like you can come in and like get a month stuck? Where are people getting hung up on the most? The wrong, the wrong KPIs. So like, I can't tell you how many launch accounts I come in and they're targeting like a 30% ACOS uh, and only ACOS advertising cost of sale. And it's like, how, 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 how do you get a scale like that? You have two reviews on a product in a saturated market, like a, a, you're just banking on brand and your brand's not actually going to lift you to the next level. Uh, and that's what we find a lot of the brands that come on board with us are challenged with and when they're launching these products, why aren't we getting the traction? Because they don't really have a full approach to this. They're just, you know, they're looking at efficiency and they're not looking at longevity, what it takes over a longer period of time to hit your sales goals. Once you have this engine firing and you have a product that's taken off, it's going to be a lot easier to scale. It's going to be a lot easier to cover all the costs from when you launched. Um, but generally, depending on the market, you know, eight, eight to 18 months is, you know, what you would be looking at for an effective launch with the right budgets to make sure 
um, you're hitting. But the biggest misconception is just looking at the wrong KPIs. Very short-sighted. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, to grow on Amazon, where brands have presence and products have clout, um, you know, it cost it costs money. Um, but that's why I said you can kind of circumvent that. It might be a cheaper cost per acquisition off of Amazon um, or tapping into your existing market um, and promoting your products that way. Absolutely. Just want to take a quick second to give a shout out to you, former uh, or friend of the show, uh, Tal. Uh, <laughs> he's a good dude that will, a uh, good dude that will air is. So a uh, shout out from, uh, people watching on Facebook, um, and all across social media. So if you have a question, if you want to give us a shout out or will a shout out, just let us know and we'll, uh, give you a quick hi as well. Oh, well, you said something interesting and I think it's not talked about it a lot. Are people's misconceptions of a launch stuck in this 15, 30 day window of, it's my it's my honeymoon period. Amazon's only going to be relevant, uh, see my product relevant for this short amount of time. When in actual fact, Amazon would rather reward long term, eight month, consistent, slow, like just chugging along, growing here over time instead of that quick burst of hundred percent conversion. All of a sudden, it's it's launched and with rocket fuel all the way to page one, and then all of a sudden, if you dip below. 100% conversion, you're just, you're going to be torpedoing to the bottom. Is that why all of a sudden you're starting to see this change at the top, but then all of a sudden it'll just sink and someone else can replace you because of that context. There's not that long tail approach instead of like, it's almost like short and to the point, but otherwise they want to build that consistent foundation. And then Amazon rewards that more. Are we going to start to see that more? Or what's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, <laughs> Speaking of one of our strategies, but yeah, I think I think you hit it is that in a short period of time, people are expecting a lot of growth and they're trying to train the Amazon A9 algorithm. And for example, when we launch a product, we likely for the first four to six weeks won't use auto campaigns. We'll do reverse ASIN scrapes and we'll try to put the most relevant keywords in there because we want to train Amazon to what we actually convert for and then introduce more broad keywords as the product's picking up sales. We have something called the product pyramid ranking uh, scheme, which is kind of uh, how we rank products. So if you're launching a product, we'll find a long-tailed keyword that you might rank for. Think like if I'm selling Bluetooth speakers, I might do waterproof Bluetooth speaker for shower. As an example, a long-tail keyword that maybe is less competitive. And I will build an ad strategy and the listing around that, that keyword. So we're competing with less people. Ideally, we have our margins in there. And we're getting that sales velocity. And as sales pick up and we're ranking for the root keyword, Bluetooth speaker, we could kind of pick different avenues and kind of build up, work our way up the ladder. So eventually we're have a good listing, very competitive review and price rise. And now we're maybe we're ranking for Bluetooth speaker, um, you know, near your pool. So we've graduated from the shower to the pool, uh, for example. But that that's kind of the 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 methodology it's it's what are the long tail words is this still relevant can i convert for it um and a great way to kind of find a lot of these is looking at your competitors reviews we will you know we use different software to get an idea of what the negative reviews are and if our products fill the gap and if we see themes like uh, not waterproof or uh, muffled sound or something like that like these are different features we could put in our listing maybe in the title or wherever it makes sense without keyword stuffing and using natural language to kind of get our product indexing a little better. And the other 
piece I like, and I mentioned it before, manage my experiments for brand register brands. Great way to split test titles and bullets. You may not be indexing for them, but knowing you're getting the click-throughs and getting more people on your pages is a good indicator that maybe this is a long tail keyword I should consider. Um, so it's a great opportunity to kind of split test different hypotheses and figure out what's the best approach for your product, your product line based on where you are um, in the market. In your opinion, what's the most difficult category that Amazon continuously just, it's <laughs> difficult to break through. Is it, is there something specific in a general context that you, when a new seller potentially approaches you, you're like, oh, you had to be in this category. Yeah. <laughs> and just like a sigh of like disdain of what, what is that category to you in, in why? I can name three off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, and it calls that like, I'll be straight with you guys. The riches are in the niches. I had a business coach a few years ago who told me that. And he's absolutely right. So like, I like that. For, for example, beauty, uh, beauty, pet, and supplement are three of the hardest categories to penetrate. They're super high cost per acquisition, generally high cost per clicks. Like, and you're competing. Like if you sell anti-aging cream, welcome to club everyone. Cause there are so many anti-aging creams out there. So as I said, like those categories are generally pretty hard. Uh, but if you have something really niche, like uh, use banana peel extract and it's uh, tied to the fountain of youth somehow, like then you have kind of a better, a better chance and a better story. And in those, especially in those particular categories where it's, it's not brand agnostic. Like if I'm buying a supplement or I'm buying some beauty product, I've probably been exposed to that beauty product through an influencer, through wherever I browse when I read magazine articles and everything else. So there, that's why it's important to have that, that the beauty brands who succeed are well building their brand off of Amazon. And Amazon tends to be a second thought. And when they hit a certain sales threshold, they realize that there's an opportunity. So that's what I said. You know, in categories that are not brand agnostic, that people generally not discovering your brand on Amazon, you know, you need to really consider what's your off Amazon strategy and how does that tie into, you know, overall growth. So here's my question. If that's the case, why do people continuously launch in that space? Is there, is there, is there data that is, is completely wrong and pointing to it? There has to be a reason why the continuous launch in these areas, albeit probably not as much as there used to be. There's still people who come into market and think, I got it. It's uh, it's something that's worth my investment. They know the cost up front. I think everyone in the space says, these are these are all, I would agree with you, very difficult. Um, I would say expensive, not difficult and expensive or interchangeable in this context, but people know this coming into it, yet you still see the innovation, the creation of these types of products. So why is that the case? I think it's the niches and, you know, uh, I think there's a misconception why there's a lot of really large numbers out there. 50% of all e-commerce happens on Amazon. People fall in love with this idea. It's so large. And if they see my product, why wouldn't they convert? But I think what they, what is failed to be realized is that, you know, their particular product might be competing with thousands upon thousands of sellers. So you might see something like this particular product opportunity has a $12 million a month, um, you know, average estimated monthly revenue. So you're like, mm -hmm. oh, can I tap in to get 5% of that? That right. would be fantastic. But that Even is 1%, a, yeah. Yeah, a large amount of sales. And I think, you know, 
then you're competing, then you're showing up on the last page. And then it comes down, do you have the investment to show up on the first page? And how long can you eat that so your listing can compete with some of these other products? So um, I guess just to tie it, tie it back to your comment, why do people do it? Um, it's a necessary evil. You should be on Amazon. You should be on all marketplaces. Should you have an agency and should you be dumping a bunch of money into it? Not necessarily. You know, I think that's what it comes down to. Like, what, where is your biggest bang for your buck? Are you feeling like you've established a lot of growth on your website and that, you know, generally Amazon can compete pretty head to head with website sales, but, you know, are your products there? Are they mature? Do you get a lot of reviews? Are people going on Amazon and searching for your product? So, like, these are the pieces. You know, it's a it's an omni-channel experience. It's an omni-channel world. So you're no longer going to, it's very, like, if you're a brand agnostic product, hey, I'll use the garlic press like everyone else. You know what? I'm going to use the lemon squeezer. I'm not like Do everybody it. else. Let's start a Go trend with the now. Lemon squeezer. So if you, if you sell lemon squeezers, that's something that brand, that's brand agnostic. You could probably sell a lemon squeezer with little to no reviews and just compete strategic, uh, strictly on price point. or function so uh my lemon squeezer for example also squeezes limes it has a built-in little flap i could put a lime in the top or i could put a lemon in on the bottom that's not that's a differentiating property that not all the lemon squeezers have which means you don't have to compete on reviews and you can likely acquire shoppers who are doing product searches like lemon lemon squeezer and like that's a big difference and those days those product niches exist they'll always exist there'll always be innovations in the market and you know you'll be able to sell widgets or whatever else you want to make money but for brands uh who are not as agnostic to the types of products that they could bring in they need to establish a brand they need to build an audience and that costs money and takes time you can build an audience on amazon but it's expensive because you're leveraging only advertising networks if you're staying within compliance of Amazon's terms of service. And I think that's the reality of the situation. And sellers who come in with no website sales and have maybe just done wholesale and they think that Amazon's gonna be the platform that they can launch a product and just make money hand over fist, that's not the case uh, unless you have the super widget or super niche product. Um, so I just want, I want that to be clear. It's not, right. you know, not that you shouldn't be launching a product, you should. The shoppers are gonna go everywhere to find it. Um, it just doesn't mean that you should be dropping excessive amount of money into the marketplace when the longer term value and what is going to add value is maybe your website, maybe your social media, maybe wherever your customers are that you can you can turn them into ambassadors. Right. I, in the final like you know ten minutes or so that I have you, well, I'm curious. You talk about products being mature. Is a lot of these kind of hiccups and these barriers just the the just the subject of a mature marketplace that's going through growing pains and you're going to see in real time all these different holes that when you have millions of people who are poking at it from all sorts of directions launching new products at scale and things like that is it just a nature of finding a mature and like settling and and finding that like foothold and then really making it so that the marketplace as envisioned long ago when it launched and opened up to third-party sellers no more than 20 years ago. I'm giving myself a lot of time here. I would yeah. say 15 years ago. Uh, is it just the nature of just the real-time growing pains and at the scale? And then you'll start to see as this natural like evolution, you'll you'll get that road path 
a little bit easier to to kind of go and move forward instead of the quote wild west where you alluded to it people throwing products up there and people are just like yep yeah, that's an easy way to find it i can get it to me quick um it's not the case anymore it's just a development of a mature marketplace as well yeah i think i think you hit a lot of points and i i would agree i think that's just as amazon matures and puts more restrictions on uh, was it last year or two years ago when they put out legislation saying uh, Amazon and all marketplaces essentially are responsible for any, you know, any outcomes from products purchased on the marketplace? And then well, we saw is, yeah. last two yeah, years, yeah, last two years. Then the supplement category, for example, got hit with having to submit a lot of COAs, compliance, and getting access to categories became slightly more difficult. So, to your point, Amazon is maturing as a marketplace, and what we find from uh, brands that are able to be successful on Amazon is they're a building an audience off of Amazon. I'm beating a dead horse. Uh, but the other thing is they're able to launch complimentary products pretty quickly. Like generally in like a six to eight month period, we're finding that these brands have lined up different products to launch and they're complementing products that are doing really well. And so they're able to kind of cross pollinate with products that sell well and expose them to new products. Once you have that one, and trust me, it's not unusual for the 80-20 rule, which is like 20% of your catalog generating, 80% of your sales, uh, which is, you know, that's totally normal. And the the brands were able to do it real smartly, are able to kind of tap into that, expose different product lines, do package inserts, give out free samples. Like they're able to do all these different strategies to kind of try to pick the other items. And the goal when you're at that maturity phase, I have one or two products that are doing $100,000 a month. How do I get more products to do that? It's testing, pulling it out, seeing how your audience reacts to it. How fast are people going to buy it online? What type of feedback are you going to get from your audience? Are you optimized for search? So there's a lot of these different facets that, that will go into it. Um, but to your point, it's becoming more of a branded play um, and being very specific to category and not being all over the place, I think is going to be the key to long-term success uh, on Amazon, Walmart, and future marketplaces to come. Right. So in the, uh, with this is being notoriously one of the busiest and most expensive times of year to be shopping and uh, selling online. What What's kind of your, your, what's the data telling you right now? Well, in terms of, how this this week and next week are projecting to go is it better than last year last year was a very big nuance of just a, just not yeah just well prime day was in q4 in october yeah um you had a lot of people kind of spreading out the spending it was in q4 there's a lot of we've talked about this set nauseum here on this podcast yeah. inventory issues there's yeah. a lot of different you know prices of ppc and Advertising continuously going up. People don't want to go out of stock because that's just going to cannibalize your listing. Um, you know, the relaunch and so on and so forth. What what what's the data telling you this year? Is it even more shopping online? Are people seeing that still that bigger bump even over last year? And even starting earlier. So I'd say, you know, we had all our accounts set up for Black Friday before October first, and I would say by mid October we're starting to see a pickup. November month to date. Um, we're seeing consistent uh, week over week change in spend. Cost per click is going up. So right now, what we're estimating is we're going to see about a 53% bump in demand on the platform. We're hoping that our conversion rates remain consistent uh, and that we'll be able to capture that additional traffic. Speaking like category agnostic, um, but that's kind of what we're estimating. And I expect 
at least 20 to 30% growth in cost uh, over the T5 period in terms of your cost per click and your cost per acquisition. But understand after that, you'll have kind of, you'll be coasting into December with hopefully better listings, better BSR and better, uh, better organic placement. So is yeah, so I was going to say, is there a surprising metric that, that kind of stood out to you in, in the trends that are going that way? Is it, um, are people just like looking a lot more Is the conversions down? Is it higher than expected? What, what, what are your takeaways if you had to bundle it up in one or two key takeaways? Yeah, key takeaways is uh, I would say conversion rates for us have been pretty consistent. So people are shopping. We are running promotions like for the brands we work with. Like we pretty much started Black Friday sales November 1st and we're just cycling through them and leveraging some off Amazon strategies. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say the biggest surprise is our cost per clicks are going up. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise, but the at the rate in which they're going up, um, we're expecting that to be somewhat different because they're it, what it points to is that there's a lot of competitors in the marketplace and we're also seeing if you look at the brand metrics feature for those of you guys have had that information on the dashboard what we're seeing is that um, for brands that we would say have category domination which is above 40 percent category ownership we're actually seeing that start to shift down so we've had two specific brands that owned a specific category. And as November went around, they dropped from that 40 to 60% uh, ownership down to that 20 to 40%, uh, mm. which really interesting to us. It's pointing that people are just throwing money into Amazon right now and hoping for the best results. So market saturation and very competitive. So we'll see how it shakes up, but I expect everybody to have uh, a good holiday because it's still Black Friday and Cyber Monday. It's gonna be better than it was last year. Um, and I'm expecting a lot of happy brand owners going into the new year. That's good. I was gonna say 2022, what's that look like? What are you guys excited for? What's, what's, um, Bellavix looking into like, what are, what are you excited about going into a, another exciting, I would say in growth year? Heck yeah. Well, um, thank you for uh, allowing me to talk about it. We're really excited yeah. about Amazon live. So that's a new service that we are rolling out it. Uh, we have a, a large list of Amazon influencers we'll be working with. Uh, we're we're taking on brands now who want to be part of the Amazon Live experience. So for us, it's the QVC equivalent on Amazon. We have worked with brands who've been on Home Shopping Network and QVC, and generally they see a large pickup. We know that Amazon's investing in this. Uh, they're making it more part of the user journey. It's showing up on product detail pages when Live is going on, and there's more influencers talking about it. So we feel like we're on the cutting edge as we kind of figure out how this system works and how to best leverage it cost effectively for the brands that we work with. Absolutely. Well, uh, well, what if people want to get in touch with you, they like what you hear, they have questions and they just want to kind of pick your brain. What are those best ways to either get in touch with you or uh, get in touch with someone from your company? What, what are those ways to do that? Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the website, of course, bellavix.com. You can just submit an inquiry. If not, my email, uh, you can email me at hello at bellavix.com uh, or find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I post almost every day. You can just shoot me a, a direct message with any questions. And uh, I'm also part of a few LinkedIn groups, but uh, that could get messy. So uh, the website or my email is the best way to get a hold of me. Sure. Where, where's the name Bellavix come from? We never established this. I, I think it's unique and different. Is it a combination of terms or uh, something that we're yeah. not seeing? Yeah. So my son's super jealous, but uh, Bella is a tide for beautiful and Victoria is my daughter's name, which I call Vix. 
uh, with an X. So we put it together. My son wasn't born yet. So uh, sometime in the near future, I have to launch another company and call it Sebastian or some type of deviation off that. But it's it's named after my firstborn. Uh, and when we started the business, she was uh, new to my life and uh, and she inspired me to start this business. So she'll, that's, she'll that's forever beautiful. have a part. Well, I love that. And well, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And I would say like, you can use lots of things with Sebastian bash, anything of that. I mean, it sounds like abrasive, but something. No, I like a dual, Yeah. He's a two year old, the terrible twos. He bashes everything. So, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the royalty check when it gets off the, when it gets <laughs> off the ground. Please do. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that. No, well, it's been fantastic chatting with you today. I know you're busy, especially this time of year. Um, hopefully you guys find some time to rest and relax and, and kind of enjoy the holidays, but obviously it's a busy time for, for brand owners, but also Amazon agencies uh, like yourself. So congratulations on success. I'm excited to, to kind of uh, watch you guys grow and uh, we'll catch you on the road. If you guys are doing events and stuff like that next year, we'll uh, stay in touch for sure. Now friend of the show at crossover commerce. Thank you so much for uh, hopping on today. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Look forward to working, uh, being part of the system. Absolutely. Thanks, Will. And again, thank you everyone else for hopping on Crossover Commerce today. Uh, there we go again. My computer doesn't want to work today. It's already on vacation mode. So that being said, I want to thank everyone else for hopping on and coming and listening in my corner of the internet today. Uh, again, this is Crossover Commerce episode 186 uh, with Will Hare of Bella Vicks. Uh, lots of great insights there. I think that it's super fascinating. I love the data points that we were able to share um, it, it was it was touch and go. I thought for uh, I thought we would hear a little bit of a downturn in terms of growth, but it's interesting to hear brands continuously grow. Um, but that's the nature of e-commerce, right? I think as crazy and as hectic as it seems that now of us in the weeds on a day-to-day basis, when you take a ten thousand step uh, foot view of of the industry, the growth is going to continue to happen. Again, everyone retail in general of one hundred percent of retail spend in United or in the world, only about 15 to 20% is online e-commerce spend. And of that is only is 40% of Amazon, 41% of recent uh history and statistics. So lots of opportunity to be growing a brand on Amazon. Still very difficult to do. It's become a little bit more barrier-centric, but overcoming those things and mature products will always outlast the splashes in the pan. I think brands will see a lot of uptick um this holiday season as well as the um, in the future, but then also just growth in general. I think you're going to see a lot of people um, kind of that mature marketplace as we talked about. It's going to lend to a lot more mature brands coming into the space um, as small and medium, medium-sized business owners continuously uh, launch new products and new services. But then also just those bigger brands that are established off Amazon coming onto Amazon as well. It's going to be great, fun to see, and can't wait to see what that journey looks like. That being said, this is episode 186 of Crossover Commerce. You guys have a great holiday weekend if you're celebrating, if you're working, uh, which a lot of you are in the Amazon world. Uh, Stay sane. Good luck. And uh, we hope to see you on the other side with all this. Uh, Good luck. And uh, we'll catch you guys on another episode next week. Take care. (laughs) 